This podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and is not intended to substitute or replace the advice of a licensed medical professional. Hey girl, my name is Cheyenne Burnett and I am a lover of French fashion, Italian food, and art of all kinds. I am wildly in love with my ride or die Brad and we have the coolest kids. Oh, and my breast implants tried to kill me. I went from having all of the cutout photos on my goal board coming true to hanging by a thread. A sea of depression-riddled chronic illness symptoms medical specialists couldn't ever give me answers for. Because what I was suffering from, too many doctors and surgeons today are still claiming isn't even real. I was suffering from breast implant illness. And since you're here with me right now, you're probably wondering if you are too. So think of this as your one-stop shop for a true crime style happy hour with a less boobed bestie, that's me, mixed with the real information that can actually help you. So get cozy and get ready because you're about to question everything you currently believe about women's health and about beauty because this is the Explant Secrets Podcast. Blood work. Normal. Thyroid tests. Normal. Brain scan. Normal. And numerous meetings with specialists also yielded no answers. On paper, I looked fine. Healthy, even. And yet daily, I was experiencing severe chronic fatigue, debilitating migraines, neck, chest, and shoulder pain, breast pain and burning, abdominal pain and cramping, back pain, brain fog, body itching, sinus issues, respiratory issues, severe digestive issues, flu-like symptoms, cognitive dysfunctions, chronic inflammation, hearing issues, insomnia, swollen lymph nodes, muscle and joint pain, nausea, blurry vision, sensitivity to sunlight, weight gain, neuropathies. I felt like I was dying. And yet, All of the doctors I saw could never tell me why. They just kept prescribing one medication after another and trying to convince me that nothing serious was going on. But they were wrong, and I knew it. From the time I got my breast implants put in, in 2010, about every two to three years, I would go through this massive wave of symptoms where things felt so much worse. And so I'd sign up to see several specialists and I'd try to figure out what the hell was happening. And after I'd spend a thousand or so dollars with nothing to show for it, I'd give up again and just go back to dealing with it. This happened over and over until 2018 when I went to see a friend of mine who'd always had breast implants in the time that I'd known her. I'd heard something a while back about a surgery from a mutual friend, but when I saw her, my jaw literally dropped because she was completely flat. (laughs) I mean, sexy as hell and completely flat. 
which was a stark contrast to what I always knew because in the past, when we'd hung out regularly, she was rocking some double Ds. So this was a huge difference. But I will never forget how looking at her, I couldn't help but notice how much healthier and better she looked. And yet, as she started explaining what had happened to her, and listing off her symptoms, many of which were the very same symptoms I just shared with you that I was experiencing myself. I could physically feel my body shutting down. I think I even said the words, yeah, that's probably what's happening to me too. But I was not at all willing to actually admit that to myself. I wanted nothing to do with that conversation, and I wanted to change the subject immediately, which I did. And then I went as far as to never see that friend again. But even though I wasn't even remotely ready to hear it then, I can honestly say I don't know that I would be here with you right now if she hadn't had the courage to share her story with me, because that was the first time I'd ever really heard of breast implant illness. And four years later, when I ended up in the ER with those crippling headaches I mentioned, that conversation is what my sweet husband brought up when he said, maybe it's time for us to consider your breast implants are the problem. And Because Brad made me look at that very real possibility in that moment as I lay in the hospital bed scared to death, I was forced to consider it. And the next day when I opened my laptop to Google, is breast implant illness real? I couldn't ignore what I found. Google, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, everywhere I looked, there was other women suffering from exactly the same symptoms I had. So I couldn't ignore it anymore. I had to admit to myself that this could, in fact, be the source of all of the health problems I'd accumulated over the last 10 years. What I didn't know was that in finally reaching the place where I could admit to myself that breast implant illness was a legitimate possibility, I set in motion a chilling sequence of events. As I dove in deeper to my research, it was like the ominous start to a horror movie where one seemingly small, innocent decision opens the door to a nightmarish world of concealed truths, sinister deceptions, and a profit-driven scheme preying directly on the well-being of millions of women. As I peeled back the layers of this terrifying tale, I unearthed shocking secrets that have remained hidden for literal decades And the horror isn't just in what breast implants are doing to us. It's also in the willingness of medical communities worldwide to go to incredible lengths 
to hide it. So explant secret number one is it was never about what breast implants could do for us. Not sure if you believe me yet. (laughs) I get it. So let's go through a little history lesson now on exactly how it is we got here. Okay, hold on to your tits. (laughs) No, literally, I mean, hold on to those things because they probably hurt right now. (laughs) Pick those babies up and pay close attention. Okay, you ready? Okay. So Dr. Frank Giroux, G-E-R-O-W, Giroux, was born and raised in Canada. But after he finished medical school, he decided to migrate to the U.S. because, well, capitalism. He had chosen to pursue plastic surgery, and his primary focus was on money. And just in case you're unfamiliar, the medical system in the U.S. where I'm from also heavily focused around making money. So in 1960, he moved. He did his residency in the U.S., where he then met Dr. Cronin. And in a weird stroke of evil genius, one day, as Dr. Giroux was doing his rounds, he was carrying a warm bag of blood. This was literally one of the first days that they'd started putting blood in plastic bags, instead of glass bottles. And he is walking down the hall, squishing it in his hand and thinking to himself, well, by golly, that feels like a boob. And that is how this whole thing started. Okay, he probably didn't sound like that. He was Canadian, not backwoods redneck, but that is seriously how he got the idea. So at the same time that Dr. Giroux has this super weird evil genius idea, there also just so happens to be a company on the rise called Dow, D-O-W, with a revolutionary new material that could be made into a solid liquid or gel. And they were calling that material silicone. Manufacturers had originally designed silicone around World War II for things like lubricating jet engines. So let's just put a highlight on that really quick. Its original purpose was to lubricate jet engines. Okay, that's what it was for. But post-war, they needed new ways to keep the dollars rolling in. So they started to look for ways to branch out. And Dr. Giroux knew that. So as soon as he got done with his rounds that day, he called the company directly and pitched his idea to see if they'd consider making a breast implant out of their fancy material. And of course, the answer was yes. So fast forward to 1962, they developed the first silicone breast implant together, and the prototype was ready. Side note, here's something super insane. Before this, other doctors had actually experimented with the same idea of breast implants using things like wood chips. Uh, what? Yeah, I'm not even kidding. Wood chips, glass beads, and yarn. But at the end of World War II, a confluence of circumstances allowed civilian access to barrels and barrels of liquid silicone being stored in a Japanese harbor. And because of the American interest in bigger breasts, Japanese sex workers actually stole it and they started injecting it into their bodies directly. And Japanese doctors caught on 
and started actually offering it as a procedure. And it was an absolute nightmare because the silicone immediately caused a massive inflammatory immune system response and destroyed the surrounding tissue. So it quickly became an illegal procedure, and I am sure you can guess just how much follow-up was done on the long-term side effects those women faced. None. It was none. Now, World War II ended in 1945, so fast forward to these two doctors in 1962, Jarreau and Cronin, who knowingly, or unknowingly, literally went and did the exact same thing again. But this time they decided to put what we know for certain is a super dangerous poison inside a soft bag made from the same poison. Because that's got to be safer, right? For sure. (laughs) Somehow they convinced the right people it was, though, because in no time, they had a prototype ready, and then they implanted it into a dog. A girl dog, of course, named Esmeralda. And when that poor dog didn't die right away, they said, great, now we are ready to put it into a person. I'm not even kidding. That was the extent of their research, ladies. No further testing was done. And as for Esmeralda, well, she was the proud owner of the very first silicone breast implant, for a grand total of two weeks before she kept chewing at the stitches so much that they took it out. I couldn't make this shit up. Implanting a dog with a bag full of toxic ingredients for two fucking weeks was enough for these guys to say, yep, that seems fine. Let's go ahead and put it in women's bodies for decades. And that is only the beginning. Once the money started pouring in, the lies and the links that they went to to make sure we were willing to pay them to do this to us, well, if you're anything like me, your stomach is going to be turning. So I want to take a moment here and actually connect with you on your journey because it is not lost on me how scary these next episodes might actually get because I am going to blow the doors wide open and show you just how far these people are willing to go to make sure that you don't have a voice. So please hear me when I say, you do. You do have a voice. You do matter. Your health and your life matter to me which is exactly why I have made it my mission to help as many women as possible suffering from breast implant illness like I did find an effective and affordable path to safely detox and heal both physically and emotionally from these dangerous devices. You are not alone in this. So until next time, be kind to yourself And don't be afraid to stay just a little bit rebellious. Hey girl, so I'm over here giving you a massive virtual hug. Unless of course you don't like hugs, then it's a crisp high five. (laughs) 
because you just finished listening to this episode of the Explant Secrets podcast. Did that just go by way too fast for anyone else? If you want more, head over to explantsecrets.com because under podcast, you'll find a full breakdown of today's episode, show notes, sponsor discount codes, and a bunch of free stuff that I've built just for you. And if you're looking for a new crew of some seriously inspiring women who've been there, maybe to bounce your questions off of, or just gain some much needed support, check out my free Explant Secrets Facebook group. You can find the link in today's show notes. Okay, you Explant Rebel you, as we part ways for now, keep these words close to your heart. You are worthy. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of health and you are worthy of living life to its fullest. Never forget that you have the power to reclaim your story and redefine your own definition of beautiful. So until next time, please be kind to yourself and don't be afraid to stay just a little bit rebellious. (laughs) See you soon.